0: second i texted you are you coming i knew you were going to be crass no you said i am coming oh yes and you wrote gross i guess the kids were asleep <laughs> brad you're supposed to be the elder statesman around I'm here a, you know
1: all men are 14 year old boys in
0: 75 percent of their mind you know what for myself i think i'd go back even farther I think I'm closer to like a six or seven year old boy. Oh, really? A lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like at least like my sense of humor and general outlook on the world. I think that's when I really started thinking like, "What the fuck is going on? This doesn't make sense at all." Well, you're definitely started pretty early. You're
1: definitely a nicer, more um nicer person at six, at 14.
0: Brad, you sound like shit. (laughs) <laughs> Congratulations on having the COVID. I'm yeah, sorry. I, uh, I hope you. I hope you heal quickly. Everybody, send Brad some some love. He toughed it out. He texted me last night saying, "I got the ID." And I mean, after two and, I, and a half I,
1: years, I was really having some serious FOMO, man. I mean, I know you don't live <laughs> in New York, but everybody around me had already had it at least once,
0: and a lot of them twice. Yeah, you but needed to have your vaccine triggered into. I, I decided that the the FOMO was misplaced You don't want this It sucks So you think you got a strain of COVID from the Bronx Yeah Which is is a very (laughs) aggressive Form of COVID I heard The Bronx strain You know this strain of COVID invented graffiti Yes, exactly. It's graffitiing the inside of my fucking body right now. It's uh, well, I'm sorry, me Brad. Up. And thanks for toughing it out. I gave Brad the out. I said, Listen, Rob, somebody I know. We could uh reschedule this if you want. Brad said Power I'm through, dude. <laughs> this is what this is what people do for each other, Benny. He sounded like Sam Elliott. It was really oh it was nice. intense. I like it was that intense. I
1: like Sam Elliott.
0: But I uh, I understated when we were in the interview, like, you know I love nature, right? Absolutely. I love being in the outdoors, I'm, especially these days. I'm just fixated by a lot of elements of it. And then, you know, the thing, I, I love music. I like making music. And I've had a couple instances like where I got to You know, you've been recording, like, so many years of your life as well. Like, more often than not, studios and studio spaces, especially for people up here, are in, like, basements. Mm. uh, Really ugly old buildings that are converted. Like, you know, and often, like, sunshine and the outdoors and things that people need to, to exist are completely out of the picture. And it's mostly darkness and coldness and take out shitty food and like really bad things for like your body and which maybe in turn is bad for creativity, you know, and there's something to say for all that. So when I got, I had no idea I knew hidden in plain view and I knew Rob by uh, reputation um, cause he'd worked with uh, Gates before and some other people I knew and they're like, Oh, Rob's great. I pull into this studio and I'm like, oh fucking eureka! Like I was so stoked that I was still in New Jersey and showed up to this place and I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. It's really you know, nice. this is like, yeah, it's really nice. It's on this beautiful plot of land. He takes like like really nice care of it, as he said. And it, you know, his wife is an architect, so I walked into the studio space and some of the accents and hints to the place too. I was like, this is like not normal. This is like a step up. It's right. very, it's elegant. It's, it's really nice the way they did it. And, um, and then there's just the land. And like, like he said, you know, I started like, there's all these little nooks and crannies and benches and beautiful trees and a natural stream and a pond back there. And I really took to it, man. I felt a special connection to the actual place and I was really happy to go there. And, you know, and, being the type of person who I resent extra work a lot, you know, it's like that's the reason I couldn't be an engineer, because <laughs> if if a studio was like completely set up and I got to walk in and just fuck with all the stuff, I think I could be a producer and engineer. But there's like that 50 percent of it that people don't know. And it, it takes a certain type of person, right? Yeah. It takes a tinkerer it takes someone who doesn't mind to troubleshoot, who doesn't mind to like work through like a really complex, weird problem, doesn't mind doing things over and over again. Like like there's this uh, disciplined, repetitive part of being that that I can't do. And, and, you know, what Rob does up at that studio, I just really respect because every piece of it has him and his wife, you know, their vibe like all over it. Um, and literally like he has this little mountain bike and he just like cruises over from his house, pops over on the mountain bike, usually <laughs> his dog following him. Nice. And then like, he'll take lunch. He'll just be like, all right, I'm going back to the house for lunch, jump on the mountain bike, make a little Sammy. And it's just this like perfect quaint life. Like I said, the one time we were recording and, uh, finished the session, I'm about to go and he's like, all right, guys. And he just hops on the mower. You know, he had like 90 minutes of sunlight left. He had to finish up some lawn work, and I was like, "Man, you know, I respect the guy who just does a full day in the studio, total session, and first thing they think to do is like, let me get some, let me get some grass cut before the sun's down." So, nice. respect to Rob and uh, great studio. And Hidden in Plain View is uh, back again, reunited yeah. and playing some shows and. Uh, recording new music and, and getting into the thing. It's exciting. You know, another, another era of uh, new, Jersey, new Jersey underground music, you know, living on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the
1: jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: So, it was nice to talk to Rob. Let's get on it. Yes, please. Going on.
2: Like, my heart was, like, pounding so fast, and I just couldn't, I couldn't catch my breath.
0: Wow. Do you think you, like, thought about it and then got panicked, too, like, on top of it? or it was No, just I was like pretty stupid body? about it, though, because I, I took the
2: vaccination, the third one, like, it was the same day as, like, my family's Christmas party. Oh, and, yeah. And I definitely... Had a few drinks, which
0: was dumb, you know.
2: <laughs> because you know what happened was I I,
0: I got Listen, the shot. You always I got to th- set off your vaccination with a couple drinks. <laughs> 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 no one told me. So what happened at the? Did you get like proper? Were you like proper weird guy at the party because of it?
2: No, because I I got the shot probably around one in the afternoon. Party was at like this is the winter, so probably four thirty. Mm-hmm. Um. So I had I kind of forgot about it to be honest. Right. So
1: you were fine then, at the party,
2: right? And then it was like three in the morning, and I wake up, and I'm just like, you know, shaking. Whatever,
0: it's it's fine. I mean, it's it's not the smart. I mean, you're a smart guy. Yeah, you know, you know that booze depresses the immune system. I mean, you 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 <laughs> earned that one a little, maybe. One hundred percent.
2: It was <laughs> one of those things where you're like, yeah, I should have should well, should have known better.
0: This is on our minds because our our noble co-host brad here is coming to us live with the id this is (laughs) like a a an inside track we're like rob and i are like uh, investigative journalists what's what's going on brad you okay yeah i
1: just i feel like i have the flu i I feel pretty bad i've got a fever it's why just checked it's one-on-one um that's pretty high yeah that's the highest it's been
0: I mean, Brad runs ninety nine a hundred just because he's asexual <laughs> in general. Um, so it's not that it's not as high with the bar. I don't. Know?
1: I felt worse like last night and this morning. So I'm hoping that this will be. I don't know. You know, I hear all these stories of friends who were triple vaxxed who like shook it off in like a day or two.
0: I'm hoping. Do for you that. know where you where you attained it?
1: I I think so. <laughs> I tried to go back. And um I think it may have been a smash burger in the Bronx. <laughs> what? Wait, what why? Just I instinct, like, more than
2: anything. Um, I can get it through food. I didn't realize that.
1: I don't know. I don't know if it came through the food. I just yeah, like I, I had, you had a bad. Out, vibe. you can't
0: get it through food. Like six weeks after we learned about this, it was I was a, still spraying down my shit with Windex for a couple months,
1: dude. It was a very urban Smashburger, and there was like nobody wearing masks. There was a bunch of kids next to me, like knocking shit over, and I didn't eat in the Smashburger, but I drank uh, some soda. So I had my mask down. I mean, uh-huh. it may not have been there, but I just like. I just had this vibe when I was in there that like oh, I shouldn't have come in here.
0: And you, not you like, got the willies while you were in there, thinking yeah. this is a place I could get the COVID. I
1: didn't even think specifically COVID. I was just like, oh, "Was this a good?" I, I know what this. you mean.
2: have you ever like 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 drank a drink and then you swallow, it instantly you are like, "I feel sick." Like you get that little. Mm. I don't know if it's like a like I um, like an intuition. I definitely have had that happen.
1: I've had that when. um you know when I when I get that is like that's how I can tell if I'm getting a cold or the flu is
0: right. if I like take right.
1: a sip of wine or it like, tastes like batteries or even coffee and it and like not not even that it's just like I don't like it it doesn't right. taste any different but I'm just like ah I don't want to drink this and then I'm like <coughs> fuck so then I start hitting that zinc so I'll tell you man if you hit that if you hit zinc before like for a cold um I should be taking zinc for this too but. If you hit zinc before a cold, like before it even really hits in like that, it'll it's, knock it, it down, man. That's like the that only thing. That definitely works.
0: You guys, zinc, what's your remedies? You got any secret homegrown yeah, North Jersey zinc. remedies, Rob? Not really. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just the normal stuff like you guys, like echinacea, you know, yeah, zinc. I take vitamin D every, I've been taking vitamin D for the last, like even before COVID.
0: Yeah, that's um, good. That's good stuff to take uh so that's probably
2: about it I and mean, I, I just you know believe in just getting as much fresh air as possible
0: yeah oh and you got the pasture to do it what air what <laughs> air pasture. on your land it's <laughs> the pasture <laughs> i learned from uh mike olander who is who is a listener of this show he was the singer of bands uh, called endeavor and burnt by the sun uh one of the greatest growls in in hardcore history he taught me many, many years ago when you start feeling it to come on, to go take like the most blazing hot shower oh, you can yeah, possibly take as long as you can take it while spitting and sweating and drinking water all at the same time. And I, I still abide by that tradition, mixed with a French press filled with lemon, ginger, and cayenne pepper. Oh yeah, like, you got it. You just yeah. burn the burn that baby out of you. You know.
2: And I would say multiple showers, like take a shower every three hours,
0: you know? Got steam those babies. Yeah. Look at this. Works. I was just joking today in a in a Gaslight Anthem thread. I'm like, this is what middle-aged men sound like when, when you <laughs> get to a point. You're just like, you ever wonder like you're around 60 and 70 year olds. And you're like, why are they only talking about people who died, hip replacements, like all this nasty shit. And then you catch yourself. Five minutes into a conversation about like you know your COVID tricks and, <laughs> and your kids having it and stuff, and I'm like, oh god damn it, I'm going to be dead soon. You know, <laughs> just just a reminder. Yeah, <laughs> did I drop it down too early? <laughs> <laughs> too early, guys. So well, speaking of being dead soon, welcome to the program. <laughs> I'm glad to have you. It's uh, we got to spend a lot of time together recently, so this is. Very familiar to me. We kind of had one of those things I noticed where we sort of instantly started shit talking, <laughs> which is like usually the sign of like people I can get along with, you know? Because it's like, oh, good, like I can actually like have some fun and people aren't going to get sad, you know? I think that's just the Jersey in us, probably right. Probably part of it. I think, and that's definitely, the, that's, yeah, that's
2: definitely the way like I roll in the studio as well. I think just to kind of. Keep things loose,
0: right? Yeah, but do like if you get like a group of uh, Midwesterners or you know Arizonians or something like, or like a Christian band. Yeah, are they like they're put off by it sometimes? Right? They're I, like, I, oh, I definitely this guy I just- is mean. I've definitely have to dial it back sometimes, for sure. Yeah,
2: <laughs> or like or just be like you realize I'm joking, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. when <laughs> When you're laughing and you notice the room's gone cold, <laughs> <laughs> everyone just leaves. Yeah, it's like uh, it's in, it's a sign of being endeared to somebody in New Jersey. It's like it's like I think you got to worry about if a New Jerseyan is quiet around you. <laughs> That's gotcha. when you're yeah. like, "Oh, okay. Like they probably there's something going on. They don't like me. But if you're they're right. like busting your balls a little, your metaphorical balls, um, <laughs> then then uh they probably like you, right? It's like if Tony Soprano is just clocking you, not saying anything, you're in trouble. Yes. Yeah, but if sure. he's telling a zinger, <laughs> you're good to go. It means he's comfortable. Well, I did notice that about you, Rob. You are a a pretty vibey, mellow dude overall and um, I heard that your dad was a musician. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't re- recall that. Was he? Uh, what's his vibe like? What kind of musician? And and is uh, he got oh. the mellow the mellow mushroom vibe like you?
2: No, probably not. He's like a a prankster. My dad. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh. You know, he was a drummer most of his life. I mean, he still plays drums, but uh, he's you know. Now more a vocalist than anything else, but he, you know, came up just doing cover stuff. Was never in like a professional group. Um,
0: like what era? Like in the sixties, seventies,
2: eighties? I'm trying to think. Like, I guess like he was like he said he got inspired to play drums because of the Beatles. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but you know he played with anyone and everyone that he could you know play with. Sure. Um, I know he played with like a blues band for a long time. Um, that was fronted by a guy that wrote songs for Kiss. Actually, oh really, which is kind of random. Yeah, um, yeah. Wait, and, you know, what like, was the band? Do you know, it was the. I feel so bad. It was. The, it was like the guy's name was like his his blues band. I just um, read this book about this, like Dad. Kiss
1: and like <laughs> these and these bands that were in, and managers that were associated with him in the seventies.
2: Yeah, they they wrote. He wrote. The song Beth, oh wow, with um, what's the drummer's name? Peter. Peter Chris. Peter Chris. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I guess that was a song about like the band. The you know the guys are jamming at at band practice, whatever. Wow, um,
0: that's funny to know now that Beth is probably from North Jersey. Probably, for sure. <laughs> like, I never considered, you know, that until now. <laughs> I always imagined she was a Long Island girl.
2: <laughs> Stan, Pe- Stan Pendridge was his name. Stan okay. Pendridge.
0: Okay, nice. Uh, yeah,
2: so my dad was his drummer for many years. and then Was it, from- like,
0: national or local?
2: Definitely local. They might okay. have done stuff, like, you know, in the tri-state area. But, you know, your, your bar gigs back then. Sure. Um, but he had a family, you know. He, he had my sister when he was probably 23 years old, you know. Okay. So, he wasn't looking to tour and do that kind of stuff cuz that would be irresponsible benny yeah no shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what did he do for for steady work
2: uh all sorts of stuff but uh his main job was he worked for this company called Dynapack that made all like heavy machinery for highways like you know bulldozers oh, wow. that kind of stuff um he did that for many years and then from there that that company moved to Texas and he didn't want to, you know, luckily didn't want to drag us out of here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then he ended up, he ended up joining a doo-wop band, which was awesome. Oh really? Uh, yeah. So he was in a doo band called 45 RPM and they played Ooh, yeah. all of like cool shows. Cause like they're, you know, they're doing all these oldies and these couples will show up and they get, they get dinner, they get to see a show and they dance and it's like, I don't know, it's like really cool to see, uh, like they'd have a, a great night, you know? Um they,
0: they probably get, I bet in that situation, those people get down like pretty hard. For sure. Absolutely. Were you at some of those gigs? Like you got to go?
2: Oh, all the time. Yeah. i I got to go and like he'd pull me up and I'm, because he was the drummer for that band, but he also sure. sang. Okay. So, he, so he'd pull me up every once in a while and be like, yo, can you play drums on, oh, really? I don't know, on My Girl or something and. I'd go so back how and, old
0: were you when you were pl- like filling in and playing for 45 RPM?
2: <laughs> I wouldn't say I was filling in, maybe like a song or two. <laughs> sitting but, uh, in.
0: You were sitting si- in? I was sitting in. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: I was definitely old enough to be in the bar. So yeah, you know, okay. over 18 for sure. Sure, sure, sure. And it was like, they they played like restaurant bars, you know? Yeah, yeah. It um, sounds like a nice night though. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where I got my love for, vocal harmonies and because those guys would be sitting in the basement working out their harmonies doing these four or five part harmonies right and uh
0: do you remember any like your favorite tunes that they would play
2: i just said my girl was a great one yeah the best Uh, when the lion sleeps tonight comes to mind Yeah, (laughs) come on on. (laughs) they were honestly they were great really great
0: is my girl the like up it's gotta be up there in like the top five riffs in history right Yeah. It's just like one of the most iconic riffs you could ever hear. And a great drum fill too.
2: Opening drum fill.
0: That little boom. Oh yeah. So nice. Um, that's awesome. So you were a four year old drummer and then you kind of got into it. What was going on with uh like in the house? Like what were people listening to? Like what was the major like what was like the overarching musical influences like in the house? For me personally? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, by default, your parents, because that's how it works when you're kids. You know what's weird?
2: I don't really remember them playing music all that much in the house. But uh, I do remember, th- I remember them, my dad having band practice every weekend, you know, that right. kind of stuff.
0: Hence why uh, he weren't listening to music in the house. He's like, fuck Jesus, I need a break from music. Well, it's kind of like how I am now, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're not heart- leave, leaving a night at the studio and, and just cranking a record.
2: No, it's definitely the the worst part about the job is I've kind of have to force myself sometimes to listen to music. Although I love it, just you know, I don't think about it first thing anymore.
0: Is it like uh, is there an element of like self survival with that? Where it's just like my ears only got so many listens in them. Like I can't waste any.
2: Definitely part of that, you know, just the fatigue factor, right? But I don't know. I think I think I listen to music so different now. Because of Mm. knowing, you know, what's what's behind the scenes, you know, how the sausage was made.
0: (laughs) Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you like I I actually always wondered that with like producers and engineers. Like the stuff you loved prior to becoming like an engineer, can you still listen to that stuff whole? Yeah, actually, yeah, like, like and you yeah. nailed
2: it. Like when I when I want to listen to music, like if we're going on vacation, and we have like a ten hour car drive, yeah. Like I'm going on to Alt Nation and or now on the Lithium channel and listening to all the the grunge stuff, right? Because um, that stuff just brings me back, and I'm not I'm not I'm not analyzing it the same way.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting because it's like before you see it a certain way, you have this like emotional and almost like primal connection to it, which makes you, you don't think like I wasn't a little kid listening to Metallica just being like, yo, that bass is deep. You know, (laughs) like you just don't even think about it. Right.
2: No. So I mean, I remember thinking that bands played the songs live. Like, I never, I didn't think they were tracking <laughs>
0: right, stuff, you Right, know? right. Yeah, <laughs> what was, about
2: all those yeah.
1: 80s punk bands? I was just thinking about this today. Some of my favorite records just sound so bad because there was this era in the 80s when, like, like punk, you know, was happening. So they were trying to record, but they didn't have the budget. So you had all these bands recording these seminal albums on, like, 8-tracks and 16-tracks, and they were just mixed like shit, you know? Like, some of my yeah. favorite records, they sound horrible. <laughs> Yeah, but it makes you hard
2: to listen to, right?
1: I mean, it didn't at the time when I was a kid, right. you know, like, yeah.
2: but, uh. And, and do you think you would like it any better if it sounded, you probably wouldn't like it as much if it sounded I know, good.
1: There's definitely a couple records. What was one of them? Fuck. There was some record that I was listening to recently and I was like, man, I would love to hear this like remixed by a good mixer. Like,
0: I can't remember what the fuck it was. I definitely hear like alternative records from the '90s, where a singer gets to a point where I'm like, "Oh, they wouldn't let that slide anymore." <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Oh, that's sharp." I'm like, "That's sharp." Some program would have caught that now. Right.
2: Unfortunately. <laughs> but I, on the flip side, I also be like, "Oh, hear something." And be like, "They, that guy hit that note, and also he hit it three times because the chorus happens three times." Right. You know, they right. weren't copying and pasting stuff.
1: Oh yeah, uh, when the, the '60s things that you were talking about, like "My Girl," where this our one, you know, those are like the whole band is recording probably uh, with yeah. no overdubs, like no
0: nothing. And oftentimes
1: nothing. the singer was, you know, either doing it live with the band or just doing one, you know, overdub. Like that's what blows my mind when I hear like just the perfect, like perfect and I think one yeah.
2: one thing people don't think about too, which is important, is you know, say, say you're like. Freddie Mercury and you're going for this like crazy performance, right?
0: Right, right.
2: I mean, they might have had the technology at that point or they had the budget to to maybe take two takes, you know? Mm-hmm. But like there will be times where you'd be tracking and you'd be like, "I hit that like 95%. Do I want to erase it and try again?" Right. You know, right, because right. if if you miss it the second time, you can't just go hit, you know, edit undo, you know.
0: Mhm. It's almost like uh, who wants to be a millionaire? It's like, do you want to just take like your 32,000? Like it's real good or should we push it and try yeah. to get a million, but we're losing it. But you know? that's
1: how you ended up with these, you know, these performances that add character. I mean, especially with uh, with instruments, I think, where the mistakes became, the, you know, like in some cases the hook, you know.
0: What do you think it was like? I mean. But these bands
2: rehearsed. You know,
0: right? I feel like a lot of bands
2: nowadays, we're writing the songs like the riff is being written as you're tracking. Right.
0: Oh, yeah. On loop. (laughs) On on loop, yes. (laughs) What do you think it was like, you know, we listen to these old, you find these like classic records, you know, like five cent bin, 25 cent bin at Princeton Record Exchange of these like classical orchestras from like the beginning of the century and stuff. What do you think it was like for like the floutest who messed up during that <laughs> session. You know, like there's 88 people who just played it all perfectly for like 16 <laughs> minutes or something. There's one <laughs> person slags off and are just like... Rrr. dude. Like, what I, do you, you think? I bet in certain countries at certain times that person was like, not only vilified, but maybe like you had to sleep somewhere weird that night or like something... Something bad happened to you. <laughs> no. No, I think you're I think you're right. They didn't I'm make it. Sorry, the mistakes. I'm in a dark mood, clearly. <laughs> so uh when did you pick up uh songwriting then? Uh I I guess let me think. Probably
2: when I was about eighteen 17, 18, Or maybe sixteen. Because I was you know, you may not know this, Benny, but I played drums before I played guitar. I
0: think I think Um, you opened that up to me when we played together. You you held it over my head to be like, "Listen, I know when you're not good." Okay, just so you know, yeah, yeah, just so you Um, know, I can do everything you're doing, (laughs) asshole.
2: (laughs) As I'm like upstairs, looking over you through the window, (laughs)
0: right? Yeah, (laughs) twisting your mustache. Um, So you started as a drummer. You were saying,
2: yeah. So all the bands in high school, middle school, I was. The drummer for. And you know, you can you can rip on me, but I was in ska band in high school.
0: Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Going off track. I don't know if you know this in the last half year or so has gone (laughs) full on pro ska. There was a period we were almost a ska podcast. (laughs) So yeah, that's welcome actually right now. What was your ska band called? I had two. Uh,
2: the proper band, like my proper, like the band in high school that played shows, you know? Mm -hmm. That was called Eight Over Par. Little golf pun there. It's
0: <laughs> a good one. I like that. Did you and, guys wear like, uh, like you know, uh, V-neck sweaters and like plaid shorts to like play along with it?
2: No, but we did do our like our our press photos on the golf course, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure, uh, sure. good. <laughs> and I was very much into golf, still am. So that's kind of where it came from. Okay. But so I I I joined that band as the drummer, but the guitar player in that band also played drums. Oh. And at, the, at that time, I was starting to kind of get into songwriting. And you know how like, well, you may not know, because do you ever write songs, Ben, like on guitar or, or bread?
0: I I don't really. I mean, I have in the past, but my attempts and the way I feel about them have dictated that I do not anymore. Like I've I'm OK with I'm a drummer drummer. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. I've written most of my songs on guitar
0: probably. I like fucking well, so, with other people's songs. Like that's my whole thing—is taking other people's songs and making them what I think is cooler. <laughs> Produce, right? Producing, made a career out of it.
2: <laughs> but so what? It, what would end up happening was that band practice. I would instead of like, I would show them how to play the song on guitar, yeah. and then like the guitar player would just sit on, sit in on drums again, and just before you know it, we're playing the song, and then. The other guys in the band were like, "Well, you should just play guitar for us." <laughs> hmm. You know, um, it started off slowly, like one or two songs here and there, and then then it kind of flipped to where I was probably playing guitar more than drums.
1: Were you right. a better guitar player than he was?
2: No, and I'm still not. Oh. Uh, yeah, I could just get. I was a great, and to this day, I can, I can, I can play the songs I write, and that's about it. You know,
0: right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh,
2: definitely not a jammer. Did you know and you I, could sing yet? Uh, I still don't know that.
0: Oh, yeah! <laughs> uh, come on, you sound like an angel.
2: I mean, I could, I could get by, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, and like, like back then, like there weren't these really high standards that I was trying to reach. Especially, yeah. you know, and you're playing these shows where how often do you even hear the singer singing anyway? Yes. The, the PA's are yes. always blown out and whatnot.
0: Yeah, like I, 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 I try to explain that to people. I'm like, you got to realize, like the first, you know. 12, 13 years of me playing music, I was in bands that wrote music first. Yeah. Like, you, like, wrote the song, and then, like, a singer showed up, and you're like, yo, put something over this. (laughs) You know? I don't know why we were all like that, but that was, like, the thing. And, like, the the lead songwriter aspect of it, just for some reason, like, I mean, I guess it makes sense with, like, the communal nature of, you know, how these things played out over time. But yeah, it just it, did, it didn't exist as much with just this like I'm the lead songwriter of this I mean, here's my, here's my yeah.
2: song and let's right. play it. No, you exactly. Gotta, you'd collaborate, yeah. And those are still actually those are still my favorite songs. The ones that, as a band, were just you know warming up before a rehearsal, and then hey, sure. what's that riff you got going on there? And then like the next hours spent just hashing
0: out this tune. So um, when did those, you fully abandon drums and and go to this? Well, I didn't because the story gets, you know,
2: Ooh. there's a twist here. Now, <laughs> uh, that that band went on to dissolve like once college hit, you know. Okay. Half the band was going to go to, you know, going to different schools that were going to be hours away, states away. And I still I was going to go to county college and I wanted to keep doing music.
0: Oh, M- I hooked CC? up uh CCM Oh, oh, County College of Morris. You guys go the other way. Okay. Yeah. I
2: see. So, while actually our I'm trying to think how this turned out, but right around that time, like the summer before that college, there was another band locally that their drummer was kind of he was older than them, so he was leaving to college, leave, leaving for college, and so then I stepped back to drums to join up with them. They were called Face First. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I played drums with them for a good year. I think about a year, a year and a half. And oddly enough, that's kind of how indirectly I started hitting it in plain view was being the. They were the face first guys were already kind of connected with Drive Through Records,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and on we did like this one summer tour where we drove across country played a bunch of shows and Richard and Stephanie, the owners let us stay at their house for a couple of days.
0: Where'd they live at, at?
2: You know, Southern outside LA, California. I kind of forget right. all those towns blend. Some nice think, little, I think a nice Sherman little Oaks. ranch somewhere. At that time, the label was right, was being run out of their garage. I mean, okay. it was a very nice garage. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs>
0: right, by those standards, yeah. yeah.
2: it was like an eight car garage or something crazy. Uh, uh but they, um, you know, while I was there, Richard's like, Hey, I heard that you play guitar and sing as well. And just like half jokingly, he's like, Yeah, I want you to play some songs tonight or, um, or you can't have dinner, like making a joke. Oh, right. And so, so they were cooking in the kitchen. He's like, No, play me some songs for real. So I sat there. Wow. Really? With an acoustic guitar and played, huh? W- w- which uh, ended up being like the first hidden in Plainview songs. Wow. Um, on guitar, and he he kind of pulled me aside later that week and was like, you know, you know, when you get home, he's like, make me a demo of those songs. I actually really liked them, and I could see he's like, you know, at that time, he kind of was like, you know, Ska's not exactly the next big thing at this point, you know? <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> oh, so he was kind of like starting to angle and and look, look that way. Uh, yeah, they had stylized, just signed,
2: they just yeah. signed like Newfound and Midtown, so they were definitely right. going back to, more in that pop punk direction again, um, that's
0: really interesting. I mean, do you remember that moment 'cause it's it's like you pass by it quick, but that seems like sort of like a seminal moment in like your music career like why why do you think he uh was really pressing you so hard to play like like was he saw something you know <laughs> curiosity was just interested like I guess so. And I mean, what gave you the chutzpah? Like that's hard to like at that age, just be like, "Yeah, here's my songs." Like that's terrifying for some people.
2: I, I don't know. I can think, think a mix of things, like where you know, I loved playing drums with those guys. I, they're, they're great guys, but I kind of knew, you know, once I started playing guitar, I knew I felt a little bit more at home. Okay, um, in that singer slash guitar player role. Um. So I guess um, where, was I, where was I going with that?
0: What was the question again? <laughs> well, I was asking you about that moment with Richard and like. Oh,
2: I think I think Richard just is—he's always looking for new stuff. Like,
0: right—that's
2: what he did. That, that's how that label was developed. Was he was always had the ear to the ground, looking for new artists. And what I was saying was coming off when I was playing drums with Face First, I was still writing songs because I was missing that role. Right. Um, right. And. I had already gotten into like home recording. So I had made a demo that was very rough, like almost live-ish that I had given to some friends, including the guys in my band and they they liked the song so they would you know, they kind of be like, Richard, you got to hear his stuff, it's good," you know. Nice. Uh, and I was
0: And you were eight, you were 18 18 years totally old. committed to doing music full-time already? Like like there was no other options on the plate for you or I mean, I would have
2: loved to have said I was,
0: you know, I was
2: going to do it. Right, <laughs> um, right? But I mean, ultimately, that's I was kind of lucky that like producing and engineering was actually what I wanted to do. Mm. And I knew that from a very young age, hmm. which I felt lucky to have that um, goal early on. So what made you like,
0: know that? Like, like that you wanted I just, to be I was on just the so f- other side of it.
2: I was just so fascinated by it. I huh. really was. I can remember like making home recordings with my dad's PA, you know, hooking up multiple boom boxes to make it work.
0: And, you know, that natural troubleshooting nerddom that a a studio engineer needs. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, I
2: don't know, it was just, it was very, it just really, it just, I can't tell you why I just was, I loved it. And I loved playing in a band. Don't get me wrong. Um, but probably because my dad, you know, being like the the working musician was like, You gotta have a backup plan.
0: You gotta have a plan. Right. You know? Yeah. Smart um, though, right? Right.
2: <laughs> so and then early on too, like I was interning um oh, okay. at different studios before I was even studying in school for this kind of stuff. Oh, gotcha. So I, and, and those yeah. and those those, you know, engineers, producers were like, You don't need to go to school for this. Like just learn it. Really? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean they they flat out said, don't do not major in this, you know. You can mm. intern as long as you want. Um and you know, it's kind of like my dad, like get a degree in something else <laughs> that you can fall back oh, on. Oh,
0: right. Like like this shouldn't be the <laughs> Yeah. I mean
2: I mean, nice. like 'cause you're not like going to a studio and being like, Hey, can I see your college degree? And
0: Right, right. You know,
2: you're like, show me what you've done. That's all I care about.
0: Yeah. Well, it's good you had that knowledge and people telling you. I I heard in another interview uh, you and the other uh host talking about how you find sometimes the kids who went and graduated from recording school like come into studios kind of like entitled. Yeah, is that true? And like, what's the deal maybe, with that?
2: Maybe not entitled, but they also don't know like the like the real. They don't teach them the right shit in school.
0: Right, right. You know, so what are they teaching them like? I don't know. They they just want their money. I think honestly, <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is a whole this is a whole podcast on its own. You know. Yeah. yeah no, I'm
0: curious. I know there's like a big cottage industry in T- I mean, I went to one. I went to the School of Audio Engineering and pissed away a ton of fucking money. Only finished half the program and wound up my only time in in uh hawk with a bank like in the history of my life where, was because where that. was that school in Midtown Manhattan. They had yeah. just moved a couple oh, was years the, before was it called from Germany. Like, okay. SAE I went to. SAE, that's what it was, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so I know, like, fuck, I got fuck ripped all off those by kids. one of these. And and it was true. I was going to studios already with bands and like already getting my feet wet in this thing. And you know, I'm going into this school and I'm, you know, splicing quarter inch tape right. on these and these machines. And I'm like, I don't understand like how this is gonna and then once I saw a flow chart, something happened where I was like, oh, okay, I can't do this at all. Um, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I slowly began my, my decline into quitting at that point. But um, but it does yeah, make they'll, sense that like, the, there didn't seem to be a good avenue. I probably would have been better off like just hitting up one of my friends and, and fucking with boards and fucking with sounds and actually getting in there, yeah.
2: And like I said, this is a whole different podcast, but I bet you most industries, if you really think about it, are kind of that way, right? Like, if you really want to be into, I don't know, name anything. Aside from, like, being a doctor, I think. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, if you want to learn how to build guitar amps, well, just go find someone that builds guitar amps and...
1: Right, and not pay. Right. Yeah, that was, I mean, I've worked and known a lot of people that worked in some of the big, big New York studios, and I know a couple of them that, like, would not take the kids from school because, like you said, they didn't teach them enough to make it worth their while to reteach it their way. They wanted to teach it their way in the beginning and they just found that the education wasn't really, but yeah, essentially, you know, you go to school for three months or you intern for three months, like the interning, you come out like way the fuck ahead.
0: But do you right. think maybe it's specific? Like, like, let's take this analogy. Like, uh, you know, if you're getting into to cars and you're like, I'm going to be like a, a detail and auto body and kind of, or, or I'm going to restore old cars or I'm going to do something like that. Like you're better off going to a garage with like a master and just sitting there and learning all day long. Yeah. But if you're just like, Oh, I want to be a mechanic. I don't care. Like I heard it's good work. Then like go to the fucking Ford training program and learn how to fix their cars and just be that kind of mechanic because you don't have that kind of like energy or drive or creativity. And I think that might exist there. Cause I remember a couple of kids I was in school with who had no intention of going into studios. They didn't care. They thought, Oh, I'm going to be working for like K rock, like setting up Uh outdoor performances or like, there's like a whole nother cottage industry of sound that has nothing to do with creativity. Right. And I think maybe for those people, like it might be a good path because they have, right?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you the one, like if there's anybody actually listening, my experience with this was in like early 90s and when there was tape machines. But (laughs) like if anybody is interested in this, I would say the schools are not, um, they're not useless. If you wanted to go to school, I would go and learn technical engineering, like how to fix stuff. Right. Because...
0: Yeah, who knows how to fucking fix a boy? Yeah,
1: if you walk into a studio and say, "Oh, I can fix that compressor," like yeah, that's you. true.
0: That's
2: true. Nobody well, knows that. how
0: to do that shit. Yeah, but again, I think
2: same thing with that. Though. Only
0: John Hiltz. He's the only one.
2: You find a technician shop, you know, and then, hey man, I'll I'll you know get you coffee and work right. for free for a summer, right? That's You'll true. Probably, you know, but that's a. That's a good point there's definitely there's some stuff to be to be learned, but I think probably half of those kids are in those programs because they just don't know what to do with their lives' yeah, so like
0: exactly they're yeah. nineteen
2: years old and they're like, well, that sounds cool right. <laughs> um and mom and dad are mom and dad want you to go somewhere
0: exactly <laughs> i was I was in that program with kids who had like just a cursory knowledge of of like music and especially like underground music or anything like that. They were like radio rock kids, you know. Yeah. Just like they were like the radio rock kids who like bought a pair of vans, you know, <laughs> who were like, "I've been to a couple festivals, like I know what's going on here." That's very specific. I, I know the type. <laughs> what can I say? Um, so speaking of which, like, how does all this um, like lead into you getting your first base in Booton? This is like many, many years later. Like,
2: yeah, you know, that's quite after
0: a- Hidden in Plain View, did we just skip like a decade doing that?
2: You skipped a good half a decade. Okay. Okay. It's okay. It's okay
0: though. So give me Not the much. cliffs notes of before that, and <laughs> <laughs> well, so so you're pretty much like so. so at I go 21. Home, I, you signed the drive through, right? And then you're just yeah. Like,
2: basically, I I go home after that meeting with Richard, and I was like, I started sending him demos, and <laughs> oddly enough, I sent him when like we got home. I the art, the face first last day of tour, our, our hometown show. Um, kind of same story again. All those guys are now going away to college, and they're like, "We're going to take five months off." And I'm like, "Well, fuck."
0: Wait, was that wanna... the band Ricky support? His little brother was in. No, I'm thinking of something else. Okay,
2: but sorry, yeah, you know, it was around that. We definitely played a bunch of bomb shelter shows. So it was like yeah, that same, sure. yeah. same time. Um, and so now I'm, I'm kind of left out band without a band again. Mm. Um. And actually, at that show, I was approached by a friends like, hey, I mean, these guys are jamming. We're looking for a singer-slash-guitar player. I'm like, well, cool. I um, know one of those. I know, yeah. So probably that next weekend, I'm, I'm jamming with those guys. Mm-hmm. Hit it off cool. And that was basically what Hidden in you. that was the start of it. Oh, um, okay. And so, did, instead and of, did
0: you introduce your songs, like the ones you were sending to Richard, like right off the bat?
2: Yeah, and we kind of made like, punk versions of them you know
0: because they were kind
2: of like i don't dashboard confessionally emo acoustic songs right sure sure um and so we made these like pop punk versions and i sent we ended up recording that demo which ended up being our first ep
0: oh wow and i sent that
2: to i sent that to richard and he was like i hate all of this oh no (laughs) um he's like it's all generic now it sounds like every other band i'm like fair enough that's pretty valid um
0: so once it took like your songwriter element and put it back into that framework, he just like didn't find it interesting anymore. I think so. Hmm. Um, but just kept plugging away at that, and then eventually, so that didn't like bum you guys out. I mean, I know oh, that actually, could be a totally, deal breaker for some bands, right there. Totally bum bum me out yeah. to the fact where then
2: we just kept recording more, and I would send like another set of demos, and he'd be like, "It's better," you know. Wow. Um, to a point where I kind of stopped sending stuff because yeah, was that's like, kind whatever. of like
0: an intense quality control. I mean, it's it, it it. I respect it. It's just something I could never do. I can never reject somebody that many times. Exactly. I, guess I would that's say, why I don't normally. Have I'd be like, yeah, for, yeah, it's it's good, it's good.
2: <laughs> for better or worse, like Richard, would be like he'd bob his head and be like, "Do you want the truth?" And I'd be like, "Yes." he uh, okay. Give you All the right. whole truth, you know? Yeah. Um, which was you know a good thing, but. Eventually, you know we just I kind of let that ship sail, and we just kept doing more and more stuff on our own and the story could go on forever, but eventually he ended up reaching out to me and was like, "Hey, why do I keep hearing your band name like around different parts of the country?"
0: Oh, he's like, he's like, "Why do I hear you guys, and you stop sending me demos kind of thing well, just being
2: like you know kids are talking about you from Seattle, why is that like oh, you know cool. you're a Jersey yeah. band and He was like, well, I'm flying out to Jersey um, in whatever, let's call it like April. Um, Let's meet up. And then we ended up meeting up at a rehearsal studio to play songs for for them. And that's how we kind of really got, I don't know, you know, at that point, which was interesting was that Richard, he's the one that always looks for bands but Stephanie's the one that would kind of make the decision on whether or not to assign them. Oh, really? Um, hmm. I'm not sure
0: if that's completely true, but that's. And she had a big part of it. A huge part. You know, okay. She
2: kind of ran the she she ran the label more as Richard kind of discovered the art, you know, the acts. Um,
0: huh, interesting.
2: But we ended up getting, you know, after a couple of months of talking, they they what I was going to say was Stephanie actually came out to the rehearsal studio, which she never does, oh. and and that's where we ended up we actually kind of won her over more than i think richard at that point
0: interesting so it's almost like he did the legwork and yes. then she like came to give like the final like the final blessing like like frankie sharp from sharp records showed up like <laughs> I, I <laughs> made guess <fake> so. decision.
2: <laughs> did you ever do a, like a audition
0: like that no not really it was really I, yeah. awkward and yeah just it, cause sounds, you're just, it sounds it yeah
2: um but she was rocking out and then we ended up, we left that like rehearsal being like awesome and like typical fashion, like play us some new songs. Mm-hmm. And so we played them a couple of new and they're like, those are your best songs. Record us a demo and send it to us. I'm like, come on, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> right, like come on already. But the good thing was at that point I was pretty heavily into recording. So I could actually uh, okay. go home, get in the basement and we tracked those songs like the next day, like in the basement. Yeah. and. Like hand delivered it to them at the airport like two days later.
0: Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, no, like no joke. Huh. And so that's how you we had it up. set up in your basement, ready to go? In the parents' basement. That was the yeah. first pilot studio. Okay. Okay. And is that the first official like recording? Is your own? What do you mean? Like did that like, did those demos come out or did you did you end up re recording them? One no, one song did come out. Um out of that actually really and released. And is that the first official audio pilot release, that song?
2: Um, I had done other people's stuff. Yeah, oh, you know. okay. my own stuff, we always went somewhere else because I always kind of felt you know, it was better. Sure.
0: What is the thing? official first audio no pilot clue. release? No you clue. don't remember? No. <laughs> Someone's demo. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. Probably like one of my dad's band's songs, to be honest.
0: Oh really? Cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was your dad like? Now that you've recorded, like you know, hundreds and hundreds of singers and people, has your dad to work with? He, he agreeable? Very agreeable. Oh, good. Probably gets a good rate, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would be a forty percent off. <laughs> <laughs> Let
2: me cut you a deal. Yeah. <laughs> he's a one take wonder, my dad for sure. Really? Nice. Yeah. And he, still, and he we, still got it. He, he still stops shit. by the studio all the time and will track uh, songs.
0: I wish we could have. I didn't know that. I definitely would have tried to get him on the record doing backups. That would have been amazing.
2: <laughs> you can't afford him.
0: Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> What's his day rate these days?
2: I think we're looking at 25 bucks a song, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Union scale from
1: from 1968.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. So cool. So so then you like officially so they heard this second batch. You met him at the airport and what happened from there?
2: This is kind of the fun part of the story. So we ended up that was I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what time of year it was. It was probably it was definitely in the fall, but we heard nothing back. And of course, at that point you're like, they hate it. Whatever right. they you know yeah, they had course. second second thoughts because we we've been down deadly
0: we've, with that shit
2: we've been exactly and we've been through this and so then randomly out of the fucking blue like two months later um I get like an instant message from Richard he's like hey we're gonna be in town next week let's meet up it's kind of all it was nothing nothing crazy okay um and next thing you know, you know we're out at a diner. It was like us with Census Fail and another band called Madison at the time.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember
2: And we end up like back at their, at Census Fail's, one of the guys' house hanging out and they're like, yeah, we're starting a new record label and we want you guys to sign to it. Oh. Out of nowhere. And we're like, huh. What the fuck, you know? Turns out what ended up happening was Richard, we sent, we gave Richard that CD and he got home and he had a car. Remember those cars that the CD player had like the, The chamber in the trunk, all the CDs would be like, oh, yeah, multi, yeah, when someone would
0: load like a a multi pet, yeah, uh huh,
2: yeah. So he throws our demo in there, and I think it was like something stupid too, like 30 discs were in there, you know?
0: Yeah, and that's why it was in the trunk,
2: yeah. And and he'll admit this, he has a terrible memory, so he would like listen to stuff, whatever. (laughs) And Stephanie's car broke down and she borrowed his car. And so she had his car for a few days. And she gets back to the office and she goes, Hey, what's that? What's what band is like, you know, CD number 25?
0: Yeah, like, yes, yeah, slot <laughs> 25, right?
2: And he's like, I, I have no idea. I have no, like, I love these. I keep, I keep singing these songs. Um, so they sent it like an intern out to the car <laughs> to like dig the CD out of the trunk what? and they, and they bring it in and it was that was our demo. <laughs> and like the next day they were flying back out. So just one of those, Kind of cool stories, right?
0: That's I gotta weird. say, based on this story, just in, in hindsight here, I think Stephanie's definitely the one who won like Richard was yanking your guys' chain for years. <laughs> he was just fucking with demo after demo and, and getting your CD lost. Stephanie, she was your she oh, was your hero in, th- at drive through. She definitely was, but definitely yeah. I think in Richard's defense,
2: we definitely needed to to up our game.
0: No disrespect, Richard, if you're listening. I appreciate <laughs> what you did for the scene. Big impact, but you know, it was harsh, it was just a little harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I All still right. talk so, to my therapist about it. Yeah, so she finally uh, hears it in this slot 25, and then and then you guys have made it official after that.
2: More or less. They were like I said, they were going to start a new label right. and. That label ended up getting delayed for a couple years, and I'm like you know, let's just you guys are ready. Let's put you on drive through, and that was kind of crazy at that point for us.
0: And what era drive like? Who were like the big bands on drive through at the time? It was k- kind of the peak, to
2: be honest. Oh, okay, um,
0: like right in the middle
2: of it. Yeah, you had like your newfound Finch, something corporate, Starting Line. Wow,
0: they had just no signed
2: more. their own. Their early November was the last band they signed before they signed okay. us.
0: No wonder he had the eight car garage.
2: Well at that point they were already this was many years later this is probably you know 5 years later so they were
0: in some building somewhere Sure sure it was official So this is when you guys really started hitting it through the full touring the records and all that Yeah man and that lasted like exact like how long were you going like full steam Uh <sighs> oh, it's tough probably I want to say 4 to 5 years Okay.
2: Maybe maybe a little more 'cause like the first year takes a little bit of time to get things going, right? Sure, sure. Like I was still in college when um when they signed us, they're like, you know what, don't drop out just yet. We're gonna need a good year to get you guys ready. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it went pretty quick from there. And then we were on the road for a long time. <laughs>
0: yeah, and you guys did a bunch of warps and stuff, right? Yeah. We did a Two years of Warped Tour, and we did like the full thing, so it was grinding. Were you van or bus?
2: We were definitely. Luckily, we were in a bus, but um, I think our first bus had like nineteen people on it. Oh my goodness! (laughs) (laughs) You splitting with another band? We were splitting with another band plus the record label. So wow, like the back lounge was actually more bunks. They call that something, right? Like a slave ship or something stupid. Like I don't know. (laughs) Oh (laughs) jeez, like. Like the back, like like you know, usually have a back lounge, like th- that yeah. was more bung, so I, mean, I think oh. at times people were sleeping in the
0: front. It was it was rough. Oof, I would hate to sleep all the way back there. Yeah. That's scary. Nineteen people on a bus. Yeah, especially in the States. Like that's only reasonable in Europe. Have you done warp tour? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a long story, but yeah, we, I ended up doing, I did like n- nine shows of a warp tour in a van. And that's, which, that's which felt what we like we probably 30, right? It was definitely enough to be like, yeah, we've made a good decision by never doing this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, I mean, we, but we got punished because like at the time, you know, warped was, was like seriously cruising, but we signed the side one. And they were doing, like, the warp Tour CDs and stuff. So there was this, like,
2: natural
0: uh, funnel, you know, where, like, a lot of Side One bands did warp Tour. And, like, we just didn't, you know, we didn't like the vibe for us. It, like, wasn't really what we were trying to do. But we got yeah. asked every year, and we kept saying no. And we finally did it, and he punished us. He put us on, like... 11.30 30 in the morning, at like oh, it's the worst the, stuff, yeah. the like bee sting stage or something, like while people are walking in, like every show. So mm. he, he, got, he got, he gave us a little finger in the butt. I don't blame him totally. I mean, you know, but I would say too, like that was our our
2: first warp and that was our first bus experience too. So yeah, we were fucking, we were happy as
0: pigs and yeah, shit, you know? shit. it's like summer We were, camp I wasn't, at that age, we I wasn't like, driving,
2: you know, at night. Yeah, and you'd wake up and there was breakfast, you know? It was, right. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's like summer camp.
2: But by like, by month two, it was like, this bus is a little stinky.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I hear about it. It's just like, it's like the grueling nature, right? By like, when you hit like an overnight drive of like 13 hours when you're like six weeks into the tour. I mean, that's, that's rough, man. Yeah. The routing was pretty, kind of
2: impossible at times. There'd be times where you're like yeah. we're not going to make it there.
0: Yeah. No, I noticed da- that. Like that like uh, when we were on that short stretch, I mean, there was a lot of bands who were in the position and that's why I, you know, started to almost resent the way they did it because like um yeah, it was kind of dangerous, you know? Like they were literally taking like bands who were driving themselves in vans and trailers, which are inherently dangerous and then like Oh, in order to get to the next show, you literally have to leave after you play at like four in the afternoon. You can't sell merch. You got to take off. You have to drive overnight and show up at a time where you could potentially be playing at like 11 o'clock in the morning and setting up at like nine or 10. You know, so I always (laughs) did think like that that schedule was actually putting like some young people in like pretty, pretty rough situations, you know, and it wasn't like big money or something, you know. (laughs) No, I, I I I definitely I never actually
2: thought about it that way, to be honest, but you you're right. It's built, but I remember, it was
0: built for bus touring, you know.
2: But even the but even that though, I remember there being nights where you're like if we leave at eight PM and you know the doors just closed at seven forty five. That's right. Like we might make it there at ten AM. You know?
0: And I got you know, I have to wonder, like, you know, I know that scene a lot of the like What was going on with nineteen like semi young emo dudes and like hair product and shit? Was it just like all over the? I I have an idea that there's like hairspray strewn all over the bus and stuff like that. We weren't that band.
2: We really weren't. We were not. (laughs) You have the wrong image of what we we, we weren't like. We weren't that emo. You were
0: on. You were on the low end. I actually do. I have a follow up question about that which you should know I said it starts with you all weren't as bad as some <laughs> I did I did start my question with that but I was asking like how important was like the aesthetic portion of that scene and like and like kind of looking a certain way like there seemed to be like a fashion element of that scene that you know someone like me was kind of like missing not to say a bad thing i mean if you're uh, a street punk dude, you're gonna be wearing like leather and spikes and like every scene has its look. You're you just know? trying to
2: get me to say that I shop for my dream, my jeans in the girl section. That's what you're trying to say, right?
0: I mean, like, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, you guys <laughs> look great. And if you ever hear someone who looks like me talking shit about it, it's jealousy. there there was definitely You guys were delectable like like i could never have a guy like me i can't fit into those jeans you know what i mean we you know we uh, there was definitely uh,
2: you know a a fashion aspect of things but we were never all in you know right i can say no one in my band ever wore makeup okay um and that was going on though oh absolutely yeah right um and we might have had tighter jeans,
0: but they weren't like you know. Th- there were tighter ones to be had, right? I don't like, know. like so. You were watching people behind stage at Warp Tour, like zipping up their jeans with pliers and applying, like there were some flat irons backstage. People yeah, doing their hair, that sure. kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, part of the thing. Punk rock. <laughs> Bus I don't think that's and f- flat irons. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Kevin. You really held it down. Now I'm just fucking around. We've had a very Speaking speaking
2: of like, you know, of like, you know, you said the bands driving at night is very dangerous. Those flat
0: irons, they could catch on fire anytime. That is true. You don't <laughs> want to stick that into a bad electrical socket. Very <laughs> dangerous. All right. So I want to talk about like you opening the studio before we get too late here. So Right. So did you open um, like proper try to do like your brick and mortar studio when Hidden in plain views slowed down and and you were found yourself home again more? Yeah, so I was doing
2: whenever I was off tour, I was recording bands, you know, in the basement. Um my parents were super cool about that. But it got to a point where I knew I needed to like hey, they were getting sick of it. Right. And and B the band was gonna need was gonna need a place to rehearse. We just kind of uh, yeah. the the house we used to rehearse out of our our bass players' parents again would they would were so nice to us to rehearse there. They were downsizing to a condo somewhere else so we uh I wanted to get something for that as well, and I had one of my family friends slash um his son's band i would would record. He he owned a warehouse somewhere, and he let me build out a studio to record out of. Um, so I did a whole build out in this warehouse that wasn't booting. it was a different warehouse. Um, it was pretty short lived because I kind of got busted by the by the fire department.
0: What? <laughs>
2: like like red handed. No, no, we just didn't get permits. So like oh, okay. when the fire marshal came through, he's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, right. Oh, this,
0: you did get caught red-handed. I, I
2: thought wow. you meant like, I wasn't there when it happened, put it that way. Oh, okay. um, gotcha. But what it did teach me though was that I was like, oh, I can actually um, do this. Like I can make enough money to to have a place. So then I started looking for places right. and I ended up in Booten kind of, at total random, I had no like interest in th- in the town, but um, it was a Craigslist ad that I
0: responded to. <laughs> nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it wasn't some special connection to Boonton. No, it was yeah.
2: just like I was at that point my um my then girlfriend, now wife. We were living in Morristown, and it was okay within like a twenty mile radius. You know,
0: sure, sure. Uh, did you have yeah. like a background in building at all, or you were just kind of like? like fake it till you make it and figuring it out.
2: Um, uh, again, back to my father, he's super, he knows all that stuff. Uh, uh, my yeah. grandfather used to build houses at, that was his living. And my dad oh, wow. worked for him a lot growing up. Okay. And so when we built out that warehouse studio, um, I definitely got my hands really dirty with that stuff. Uh, and then when it, when that had to get all torn down, which was pretty sad. Um, by that point, oh, I was really? pretty... you, you built know, I,
0: it, and then it just got torn straight down, oh yeah, it was Oh, I'm sorry. I'll show you it photos sounds like, sometimes sounds like it still hurts. I'm sorry <laughs> um but no i didn't I definitely didn't have like a
2: ton of knowledge going into it, but you 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 learn on your feet as they say, right,
0: yeah, sure, and did yeah. your pops like help you out with some of the builds? He built the first studio with me, like he would come
2: after work, and nice. we'd work until nine o'clock every night. It's awesome um. But then when I got to Booten, it was kind of he's like, you're kind of on your own here. I mean, he helped me out when he could. Right. But it was too far of a drive for him, mixed with, you know, he, he's like, I already did this once. <laughs> yeah. You got to make um, your own way, kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of vibe. But what was cool with the Booten setup was I didn't have to do as much of a build there. Okay. So I could kind of like, you know, build a control room. And then from there, like the live room was basically like a construction zone for a year, but I made it work, you know?
0: Sure. And how are you like? How are you bringing in equipment at this point? Like, uh, like what were you doing to 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 get to procure the things you needed? I use money, Ben. Well, yeah, but you're (laughs) telling me like, what? Where was where was it coming from? (laughs) Was this hidden in plain view money? Like drive through Uh, money? Like there was
2: some of that left over for sure. Uh, But like I said. Because I was every between every tour, I was home recording bands. I was able to bank money when I was home. And when you're when you're in your early twenties and you're touring, I didn't have rent. I wasn't. I had no apartment yet. So right when I was on the road, we were on the road eight months a year sometimes. So sure, and you weren't paying for
0: anything at home. Yeah,
2: right. I was living off per diems and great. Any all the merch money we made and whatever royalties we actually got would go right in the bank.
0: And you didn't seem like a huge like drug guy or party guy you didn't like, I don't. P- you didn't piss away your money right at all no i'm i'm like almost embarrassingly frugal sometimes dude straight edge guys always have just the fattest ass per diem stacks, so though. it's like <laughs> you know like like you know it, it takes like four or five days of per diems to buy a bag of weed or something you know what i'm <laughs> saying like so if you're just skipping that all together yeah it's a lot easier to keep cash
2: <laughs> well, we we definitely didn't have the uh, the gaslight diems, but we had a uh, we had We're some money there. Not as much
0: as you think. There's there's a reason there's a reason I'm I'm surviving and having children while <laughs> <laughs> this time off wasn't as much. But as I would definitely
2: think. like I would steal the peanut butter and jelly from the dressing room, and like, and that was what I would eat. You know, yeah. the next day. Um, like I said, embarrassingly frugal. Like the guys would be going to Wendy's. I'm like, no, I'm gonna save my money and have a peanut butter and jelly.
0: There you go. Oh, good for you. I mean, you you work towards something. Yeah, I like mean, I, I, exactly. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think about that stuff a lot. There is like, I don't know, man. There's, there's so much of uh, the things that people would consider, uh, you know, uncool in certain times. But I've, we've been doing this podcast for a while, and it's just something I'm fascinated in. And it's the people who either like... Completely disregard money and piss away their per diems in like a really really interesting way, or the people who are super super frugal about them and disciplined and have a goal, and I'm willing to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to get to my goal. And yeah, I like, think it comes. Those comes are with the two how, avenues how of success. But like the middle class, like never gets you anywhere. You know. Yeah, I
2: mean, I think it has a lot to do with how you're raised, right?
0: Mm, sure. So, yeah. what was it about how you were raised that that gave you that focus? I don't know. I think you know,
2: my dad lost his job at one point. I remember at a pivotal time, meaning like sixth or seventh grade, and I was All like, right. I had it in my mind that we were going to like lose everything. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, but it was fine. You know, you know, my dad's the hardest working guy I know. Um, but I think just there, I, I was for some reason, I was always like. Whatever money I make, I'm going to hold on to it. You know.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, that uncertainty and, and kind of goes back to answering your logic. Yeah.
2: And to kind of bring it back to your question, that's kind of how when I was running the studio, like I never took a paycheck for years. Right. Um, all, so all any money in. I made went right back into the business, and then I'd pay rent from that, and I'd buy gear along the way. Um, I did a ton of, a ton of. Um, Recording a band, like hey, I love that guitar app. If you're ever going to sell it, let me know. Oh, and right. So, or better yet, be like, hey, if you want to <laughs> just leave record- that, for a- yeah. <laughs> no, like yeah, like you know, you guys owe me two grand for the recording, but I'll I'll knock off five hundred bucks if you give me that app. Oh you know?
0: no, shit. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. for sure. That's smart. Um, and I was
2: a pretty savvy guy when it came to like this is before Facebook Market, but there was Craigslist and right that kind of stuff.
0: How much of stuff at a studio is like left there? Uh there's a ton of I've a lot
2: of cell phone chargers and <laughs> probably one of more, mine. Yeah. I probably do, to be honest. Yeah, uh, um Definitely a lot of like guitar cables and stuff. Right. Like
0: little odds and ends, but nothing you Well you mic- saw
2: when you were tracking here, I have like Six or seven bass drum pedals. I'm like, I've only <laughs>
0: right. ever bought one,
1: right? right, right. <laughs> and also,
0: like, how do you forget that? Like, yeah, it's a big one. Um, like, I would never get home from a studio and be like, oh, I'm just gonna let that pedal go. Really, like, that's insane. No, for sure, <laughs> that's absolute insanity.
2: But that's that's the guy that plays drums once a month, right? And he's like, right, I, don't right. what, I don't know what happened to it, you know? He's
0: like, oh, yeah, I'm not sure where it went.
2: I did have um funny story is that in Putin. That studio was on the second floor of a building, so you mm-hmm. had to go up a staircase. And my buddy, I was recording. He, when he when those sessions were over, he's like, "Hey, I have this eight by ten Ampeg cab." He's like, "Do you want to just borrow it?" Like, I don't feel like taking it down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, we're probably going on about ten years. And I still have his yeah. cabinet.
0: Dude, that's how uh, the house amp exists at so many places, right? For it's sure, like that exact story. <laughs> Usually, more than one flight of stairs, but yeah. <laughs> but Just, it was a sketchy flight of stairs. It was
2: a big turn. And it wasn't a good oh, one. Oh,
0: yeah. And it was We're,
2: outdoors. Somebody been raiding that day.
0: Uh, eight by tens. What a curse!
2: What a curse. I, I, I always think about. Uh, I was talking with a band, or a, a band recently. I'm like, how. You know, back in the day, we'd go on band on a tour with like three, four bands, right? And we'd all follow each other around the country, and every band would show individually up to the venue.
0: load up each of your eight x tens, and we'd all grab eight by tens,
2: all four of them, and then there'd be like two guitar cabinets, and like
0: maybe if it's just one of us made a phone call early on in the tour, yeah. we could have saved.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's so true. That was like in America, especially it was it was like strangely non-communal like where you would show up to a show and there would be like, literally like I remember like seven or eight people all setting up kits, you know, like, like, and there was just this backstage like filled with drums, you know, and there'd there'd be more drums at the show than people (laughs) like exactly in total. And then I remember the first time going to Europe and these kids, like, showing up without drums, just being, uh, yes, I use your drums tonight. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you, you're using my drums <laughs> oh, they would like, use your drums? Yeah, and they wouldn't ask or anything. It was just this, like, when you played, like, squat houses in Europe, it was just presumed that everyone was using the headliner stuff, especially if it was, like, an American band renting their backline. Um Wow. Yeah, and it was, like, this real culture shock because I was coming from, like, yeah, VFW shows were like yeah, eight individual hatchback cars were showing up with kits and setting them all up, and, <laughs> and then going straight into that. It was it was quite different. I, I think maybe that's changed a little in the U.S. We've gotten a bit more communal, maybe. I hope. A, a,
2: a lot of the younger bands playing now they're playing with you know they're not bringing they're not even bringing cabinets anymore. Oh, it's you just
0: di, right? It's
2: di, or and if and if it is a cabinet, it's a one ten with. One of those micro heads. That's what I've been wow. using lately. Really? Yeah.
0: And how do you find that, like sound-wise? Amazing. Really? Yeah. Sounds great. It's what I use in the studio anyway. You know, because <coughs> Brad was saying, <clears throat> I think even in the last interview, how like nothing compares to an eight by ten. Still, do you think like there is something that compares to an eight by ten? I think as a bass player, all that air moving behind you definitely does something. Okay. But
2: you know if you're doing the if, if it's the rights I, I, I guess I would say the smaller the venue the more you need your own speakers right?
0: Right. Because okay.
2: if, if the monitors aren't really substantial enough. Sure. Uh, but I'm, I'm on in-ears now and you know I think everyone bought our bass players on in-ears so to me I don't care what I'm
0: hearing on stage you know. What do you what do you get in your ears? What's your mix like? Um... My vocal, of course. It's me and the singer's
2: voice. That's probably at the top. My guitars about halfway down, and then I get click track.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Pretty I don't want to hear anything else. Fuck drums.
2: Fuck drums. Well, I'll probably get like kick, but again, like um, if the venue's right, I don't need it in my ears.
0: I saw something about your lead singer. I was on YouTube and one of the comments was, The lead singer is my math teacher. <laughs> And the other <laughs> one was the singer is my brother. <laughs> it was like, oh, sweet. This guy's like famous. He's like, very famous. Where is he? He teaches math.
2: He teaches uh he's in Philly at a um private school teaching. Mm. I think he just teaches like a classroom now. Nice. I don't think he does what maybe he does. He's gonna kill me for this, and I'm not sure.
0: Oh but yeah. What did everyone get into career-wise?
2: Chris, our bass player, is in graphic design. Nice. Um uh our other guitar player, Dave, he he actually is into audio as well, but he like you mentioned earlier, he's on the, the TV side of stuff. He does he works for CBS. Oh, okay. Um our drummer still tours. He does all sorts of whether he's teching or he's playing.
0: Oh, okay. And I'm just here at my studio. I know the spot. All right. <laughs> so so tell me, because you know, as I've said to you many times, I think I love your studio. You know that. Um, My studio loves you, bro. I oh, oh that's nice to hear. Because um, <laughs> you know, I spent a few nights up there by myself. Really, <laughs> you basically got to, lived here. For- <laughs> yeah, for for a little bit, and walk the, uh, walk, walk the grounds every morning. That's right. I take make some coffee and walk the grounds, and I found all six acres had. Beautiful little pockets and mature trees and a lot of vibe and and there, I don't know it was great and and it's just the kind of experience I like in a studio when you feel like you're really away and this one uniquely I got to feel that way without going too far.
2: Um, that that's that's literally exactly what I wanted. So I, I
0: love hearing you say that. Well, that's I guess that's why I got fresh banana bread and maple syrup, huh? <laughs> I mean, you also get that when you go to Audio Pilot Studios. You should you know did. that. I woke up to warm banana bread <laughs> and fresh maple syrup from the trees. It was amazing. So, how did you get from Butin to the compound? Wow,
2: that's a big question.
0: Um, so,
2: I didn't get kicked out of Butin, or I kind of got forced out. You know, um, right. My landlord, who was this amazing guy, he he passed away from a surgery unexpectedly. Wow. Um, he was an older man, but he had a surgery that shouldn't have taken his life, but there were some complications and Fuck. it was sad. Um, And the way he did things there, I only ever signed like a two-year lease with him. Mm. And kind of, you know, to make that story, long story short, on that side of things... I, the writing was kind of on the wall that I had to get out of there. Um, mm-hmm. The new owner coming in was, I still don't really know what his plan was, but the first conversation I had was, your rent's too low and you're not paying enough money. And it's like, yeah. well, fuck you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, <laughs> I've been here like 11 years. Yeah, that's fucked um, up. Jeez. Um, and I mean, he was right as far as like someone that's just looking to own a building, like my right. rent was low. Yeah. But it was only low because I did so much work to the place.
0: Well, yeah. Well, this is why business ethics is an oxymoron, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So and like kinda of going back to like that, my previous landlord, he was cool enough to be like, you know, I should raise your rent, but again, you know, you just painted the whole place, you refinished the floors, right. You added you added electricity, you added ductwork. He's like I'm gonna keep the rent the same because you're doing that for me,
0: you know, right, sure, but doesn't always get reflected on the lease, right yeah, right so yeah the the LeBron James deal, yeah,
2: so basically we were end up we end up being like my wife and I were out to dinner. I'm like, you know what's what should we do next? We had kind of a couple options where one was maybe I'll buy a house somewhere, make it a studio, maybe I'll look for another commercial space, which was my I didn't want to do that again because I didn't want to be stuck in that same situation again. Right. Um, and I always had this dream of having a, like the barn set up, like I have a house and the studio's on the property far enough that I can leave work where work is, but close enough that I can walk over in flip-flops at two in the morning. Yeah. Um, right. And my wife's we're actually out to dinner and she's like thumbing through Zillow on her phone. And she she's like, "Well, what about this house here? And... I'm like that's that's the house she goes like that's the fucking house she goes what do you mean I'm like that's the house in my my parents hometown that I've always looked at as being the perfect place for a studio wow that's where that's where the mullenbrooks lived my friend from high school who was on the golf team with me um <laughs> yeah like the school yeah. bus drove by here every morning with and I eureka, would eureka
0: yeah and which was
2: kind of Weird was that the house had. I know it was. I knew it was up for sale like two years prior, because my brother in law was like, "Hey, man, that house is for sale." And at that point, my landlord was still alive. I just signed another lease. I'm like, "Ah, cool." Bad timing, bummer. You know, right? They ended up, whatever happened to them, I'm not sure. But they ended up to take. They took the house off the market, and then here it goes back on the market two years later. At this out to dinner, we see it. It just got Uh listed. And so I'm like, we need to, we need to move on this like immediately. So I called a realtor. We were out on a Sunday night. So probably Monday morning I called this realtor and I said, I'd love to check out this house. He goes, well, when can you go? I'm like, I'm self-employed, pretty flexible. He goes, let's go now. Nice. Like, all right. (laughs) Met him there like two hours later. My wife who works up the street from here, um, which was another cool thing because she was working in the city for so so many years, and she just found a new job out west, out at where oh, we are wow. now.
0: Huh.
2: So she stopped down on her lunch break, and we we saw the place, and it fit like a glove, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, just this barn that had a ton of ton of potential, you know, um, and it was a big, pretty much an empty barn, so we could do whatever we wanted to do
0: with it. Okay. Um, and how was like like how are the guts of the barn like with the studio like like what, what did you actually like install into that barn like the the whole structure and the two floors and everything
2: so basically the structure was like the foundation was it was a not to get too far back in the story, but it was the previous owners owned the building for almost thirty five years mm-hmm. and he was a he was a carpenter and he that the barn was his wood shop right um when he bought the building, it was a flat-top roof, like a flat-top roof barn. Mm. And he said it, the roof leaked too much, so he needed to add another roof. So he added like an A-frame because he wanted to have storage. And A-frame roofs just drain better. Mm-hmm. So he added the second floor, but it was very much like an attic. Oh, okay. So when just we showed up- Just to get the up,
0: roof on, kind of.
2: Just to get the roof on, keep it yeah, from leaking. Okay. And I mean, there was literally a ladder. You had to climb up to get to the second floor. Uh, so kind of funny. Like when that realtor, when I first called him and he said, "Let's go now," I end up calling him back. I'm like, hey, man, um, I want to make sure I can see the barn. I don't really care about the house that much. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, yeah. Meaning, like, yeah, you know, the house could be beautiful, but if the barn doesn't work, I don't, I don't want it. Yeah, you know? deal
0: breaker. Right.
2: Yeah. So back to what I was saying was what was cool about the building was it was a flat top roof barn, but it had been reinforced with concrete, like a cinder block walls. Um, so it had all this awesome a soundproofing and also just strength that I knew I could. I knew I could add a second floor to it.
0: Oh right. Uh-huh.
2: And my wife's an architect. Ar- architect, so she was able to design the whole thing. It was so um,
0: serendipitous. So cool.
2: It it really was. Honestly, yeah. I still kind of. I mean, there were times when we were building the place, and you're like, "What the fuck do we get ourselves into?" You know, because it was a big project. I mean, we had to like, we had to run. There was no running water out here. We had to run plumbing out here. We had to run electrical. Well, we had electrical, but it wasn't enough. Um, We had to run like, uh, we had to build a septic, all that stuff. So, Uh, yeah. So, not to mention,
0: you took on six acres of lawn care.
2: Yeah, now I'm now I'm a full time landscaper, um, part time (laughs) producer.
0: Yeah. The only listen, I've I've recorded with a lot of people, Rob, and you are on the short short list of people who have finished a session and jumped on a lawnmower and started ripping their lawn. It's only you. There's no one else. No one else. You on gotta get. List. You gotta get it done. That's it. It's like I got some sunlight. You gotta get a third I, of the yard in. Yeah,
2: I can actually remember that that day when you guys were just like laughing at me, like sitting in the driveway. I'm like, hey. Grab the weed whacker, Ben. Let's go.
0: Oh, dude, I was all about <laughs> it. I was all—you know—I was ready to go to work. <laughs> uh, no, awesome. you're, you're right.
2: Though it's definitely it's t- it's been a big lifestyle change <laughs> coming out this way, and and it's for me, it's only a half hour further west than I was. But like you said, all the different, all the land, all that stuff.
0: But you always seem like one of those people. You seem like one of those people who, you know, takes on these new responsibilities with stride and doesn't really resent them. Is that true? Well, thanks.
2: I appreciate. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. It's it's exciting for me, you know. Right. And to be honest, like, you know, I've been doing this production thing for a long time, and it's kind of nice to take that. You know, there's I, I get a lot more of my life back just from the fact that I'm not commuting anywhere. You know. Sure. Um. So if I am spending two hours on a on a tr- on a lawnmower in the summer once a week. Like, I spent way
0: more time in the car going back and forth to the studio. And you got now you got the mountain bike commute. Exactly. You know what's funny too? Now that you mention it, almost every time we were going out to eat and stuff, you were like, nah, thanks. I'm going to go <laughs> home and fix like a super, super kind of pathetic looking sandwich. Like, you weren't even putting greens on it or nothing. Like, this is like a straight, like little kid, like turkey and cheese or something I was looking at. And you would never, you <laughs> be like, no, no, I don't want a smoothie. I don't want this. I'm going to ride my bike back to the house and, and make one of I these. T-
2: I told you I'm embarrassingly frugal sometimes. Yeah,
0: yeah, no. I, now that the story adds up, the story adds up. Well, <laughs> you know, I love the place and I'm glad you built it. I wanted to ask, like, because something with people like you that really uh, makes me curious is, you know, I've watched a lot of musicians who are now engineers and producers kind of squirm in their seats a lot. Like, you can't help but have ideas in your head and maybe don't personally like what people are playing. <laughs> but, <laughs> if, you know, like, how how have you learned to, like, manage that feeling and toe that line of, like, you know... um. Being constructive and helping a song along, but making sure that like you're not stepping on toes or making people feel bad about what they're doing like did that take a while to figure out kinda
2: oh for sure and I, I think you're it's that's the whole like psychology part of the job, you know right um and it I can admit that I was really bad at it early on, you uh, okay, know, okay. you know, <laughs> could probably be a dick sometimes even, you know, um, Got you. I think a lot of it comes with maturity, but also just, I mean, you know, I, I know within, and I'm not exaggerating, within 20 seconds of talking to someone, whether or not they want my input.
0: Wow. <laughs> really?
2: You know, um,
0: just you based know, on the tenor of like how they're bringing it up and stuff, like what just the way feel-
2: they walk, the way they walk in the room. Sometimes you know, like really? you just know, yeah, for sure. Huh. Um, and some people that you kind
0: of you have to earn their trust, right? Like now, I'm, I'm now I'm really wondering because you just met me pretty much, and I was like, you knew about down. me within the first twenty seconds. What? How did I come across? You came in, and I
2: think I think the first thing you said to me was like. I don't really care about drums that much. Like I don't care what we use, you know. Okay.
1: <laughs> you're like,
2: I just want to sound good and feel good. I'm like, I love this guy, and <laughs> like that right there tells me that you cut. You're open to suggestions, but you're not like. There's guys that come in that they're so like you know they're so ADD about where stuff goes, and yeah, all yeah. their parts are mapped out to the T, and you know, if I if I mention like, hey, maybe you don't do that. That rack tom feel like that, and I get that look. I'm like, okay, maybe I won't
0: suggest anything. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um well, but it's good. definitely. I'm glad. It's I'm, the- <laughs> I'm very relieved. I was scared for a minute there. I was like, oh fuck, that means he just sized me up in 20 seconds. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't really care about drums. I think that's pretty much what you said. Well, yeah. I mean, clearly, I care about them, but yeah, it was like, if you want. I you know what it is too but it's the same thing. I have have experience as well is like in the in the um in the reverse for a musician you you walk into a place and you understand that like if someone has like a certain drum that sounds great in a certain room in that, that room right and that's their room and they spend right. day after day in that room getting fucking sounds and for whatever reason those magical vibey studio reasons. This like shitty looking rack tom just sounds great in here for whatever reason. My rack I'll tom doesn't, my, look,
2: doesn't look that shitty.
0: I'll keep my drum in my case, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's just like I, you know, if someone's telling you like, "Yo, I got the secret sauce all ready to go for you," I want to taste the secret sauce, you know, for sure. I mean,
2: and for me, I'm it's. I also want to record different drums, you know, like right, my yeah. shit might sound great in my room. I know it does. Like I know exactly what to expect, but I also like your kick drum sounds so good. <laughs> right. Like just in the room. Yeah, it's thing's so loud. The thing's you boss. know, like, like my walls are so thick. I'm like, I can hear his bass drum through the, like without the microphone being on.
0: Yeah.
2: That's why I got um, that
0: torn meniscus, baby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, going back to like the original question, like you just, yeah. you just gotta, you just read people. Like it's like nothing else, you know, nothing so no different than reading the guy you're talking to in the, at the bar that just only wants to talk about himself. You know, like you, you right. know
0: yeah, what you're getting sure. into. And in your estimation, like, you know, a- after having this kind of years and years of almost field research, like what often brings the best product? Like, is it the. The people who are dead set on exactly what they want to do, or or the more collaborative types that usually Definitely wind the latter.
2: Yeah. It's the yeah. It's the what makes recordings I'm sure you've heard this. It's it's all of like the beautiful mistakes that happen along the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. That like the guitar player went to the wrong note and you're like, whoa. Right. Well you know, happened there. Yeah. What would you that's that's the core we should go to, you know? And, uh-huh. Or that, you know, the drummer ended up doing the drum fill on the wrong beat and you're like, whoa, you know?
0: Yeah, sure.
2: So you have to be able to embrace those. Um, but definitely at the same time, you got to be prepared. And so, I, you know, I, I can see it both ways.
0: Right, right.
2: You know? Should be a balance. Right. Because I have, I have guys that come in sometimes like, yeah, here's here's our new song. And I'm like, you brought a guitar riff in. You didn't bring right. a song in. Right, <laughs> like, right. You have some lyrics. There's, you know? Yeah.
0: So yeah, that can right. be stressful. It's, it's, it's an interesting, but it is an interesting balance because, you know, um I, you know, being on the other side, you know, if you're sitting with a song for like six months and you've rehearsed it like a hundred times, like I am the type of drummer who like once a song is done, done, I will play it the same way a thousand times in a row. You, you know, will. I will, sure. Like, like live and stuff, you know it takes me a while to get to a point where I feel like I want to fuck with the bones, you know, especially as a live drummer, because sometimes when I start to explore that stuff, I hear myself fucking other people up. That's
2: Yeah. You took the words out of my mouth. That's great. Yeah.
0: You know, so like, and, and that's not my job live. Like there are, there are times and places where it's fun and necessary, but I think often it's counterproductive, even though it's like, an instinct to be like Jesus Christ. I've played this the same way this many times. Can add yeah. some little sauce and stuff, but like, or have, land- a, have a have
2: have a section where you're like in, in this in this outro, we're just gonna, all going to kind of go off and do our own, you know. It's just you can freestyle there, right?
0: But it's the three magic words, right? Find the one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just got to find the one, and you'll get back. I randomly, I forgot you were so into golf, so I wanted to finish with something interesting going on in golf. Like what do you make of this whole Phil Mickelson Saudi League and 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 uh pushing the PGA into like having teams and and lower schedules? Like what do you think about this new age of golf? You know, I just kind of
2: started to hear about it cuz I wasn't watching much golf until the Masters. Uh-huh. Which is kind of weird for me. I like I'll actually usually watch quite a bit, but just for whatever reason, the way my schedule was, I wasn't paying attention. Um, so I don't know too, too much. I mean, I know the, the, I get, I get the gist of it. And I think Phil's kind of being a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, on, on all points, you know, you know, saying that the PGA is like, what's the word he used? Like it's, I don't know. I mean, it's like, yeah, he, I don't
0: remember verbatim cause it was, it was tough to listen to some of the stuff he was saying. Right. Um, it's like, man you you're so rich, <laughs> right? right, right. <laughs> and
2: you play golf, yeah. and you're talented. I get it, and you have a personality. But like, you've made so much money playing golf, and you wouldn't yeah. have the endorsements you have right. if you didn't have all that stuff. So,
0: yeah. it's on hard, top of that, hearing it from people like that sometimes.
2: And then on top of that, you're like, and you and you're doing it all because the 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 Saudis are. Real what what's the word he said? Like the real, real dangerous
0: people? Yeah, real <laughs> dangerous motherfuckers or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the th- the takeaway I took from it, Whereas, like, oh yeah, they like definitely killed that journalist, and they, you know, they did this, and they have all these human rights abuses, and they just executed like 80 people probably for being gay, like all this awful stuff. And he's like, but but yeah, I really wanted to leverage the PGA, so I'm okay with it. That was the part where you're like, "Oh God, yeah, guy." Yeah.
2: And I want he's one of those guys that I, like he's been so likable his whole he's like his whole career.
0: So he has. So he hasn't been like a heel, like as a golf fan. He's been like one of the likable guys.
2: Yeah, I think maybe some people could see him kind of as a smoozer, you know, like. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like maybe he's a little bit phony on that sense. I never took him that way, but, but, uh, I could see people seeing it that way. So
0: what do you think about on the other side of it? Like, you know, I joked around that I'm like Randy Quaid and Caddyshack too. Like I'm about, I'm about like having like a a goalie with pads, like in front of the hole, making (laughs) the holes bigger. Like I, like, like, I'm down for, like, fucking with sports to make them fun. Like, what is this uh, concept about the team play? Like, is that is that a thing that could actually happen? Seems that cool. That
2: could be cool. It definitely could be cool. There's definitely different formats they can explore. Yeah. W- without killing people.
0: <laughs> right. Because, like, you got to, like, there comes a time in certain sports, like, I, you know, I'm a big NBA fan, and, like, you know that that league more than a lot of leagues has like adapted in different ways like over the years to you know m- you know make it faster make it more fun to watch like make it more interesting you know the three point shot wasn't even a thing until the 70s and stuff like right. that um so i'm like i think you know these these leagues got to like explore this cuz someone like me i have such a marginal interest in golf you know like i don't know have never played. no, you play? I've never in my life played, um, you know, and then like, if I see it on TV, I'm like, you know, interested for about like seven to 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Seems cool. Seems relaxing. If you were to go play, but there's nothing that draws me in. I want some physical contact. I want some, I want someone to get tackled on a golf course in some capacity, you know? Yeah, I, mean, I think
2: it's one of those sports <laughs> that if 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 you if, if you don't play it, I can't imagine it being interesting at all.
0: To be honest, what about a uh, slam dunk like a golf slam dunk? <laughs> sure, I love it. Like on eighteen, you have to dunk like somehow, like like well, they, you, they, you make the hole at ten feet or something. They Get did somebody.
2: something a couple of years ago where it was it wasn't that ridiculous, but it was like <laughs> they would do like a team format and like. You would like tee off on the hole, and then you could decide like, do I want to go for this really, really hard pin in the corner or go for this one, and it was like a point system mm, um, mm-hmm. I could see stuff like that I mean they have like the long drive competitions um and that doesn't ruin like you know you can still have your normal tournaments, right,
0: yeah, yeah, I guess so.
2: I mean they I think, fucking have like fifty five official i think actually
0: sixty official events a year. So there's, there, they've got plenty of them. Do you wear funny pants when you do it? What kind of pants do you wear? Do you have salmon colored pants?
2: Uh, I do not have salmon. I have um, <laughs> just black
0: pants. Can oh. um, uh, you get into oh. pastels and like flat caps and really do the old school golfer thing? Like those wool flat caps with the I do. Uh, uh, my, with the my friends buns on them?
2: You know, I do that in the winter. My, my, well, not that. I, know. I do like the <laughs> snow cap, you know, with the, the little ball. Um, but my, my friends, I do rock a cardigan now and then.
0: Okay. Nice. Like Taylor Which Swift. is, uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. More like more Mr. Rogers. I, I was going for. Um,
0: what so happens? I get, I get ribbed for this. that. Let me ask you this. Like, what happens if, like, like way I'm dressed, I'm wearing black jeans and a black t shirt right now. Which is pretty much what you like, wear all, every day. Yeah, that's true. Um, what happens if I if I step up the hole one, like dress like this? Like does someone actually like say something? Well, you can't play with jeans. Well, I know. That's what I'm asking. Though, like who? It depends who on the court. Who's like, this? Like who's coming up to me holding a golf club on hole one being like, no, 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 you can't play. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to play. Like, um, what happens in that scenario? Cops. I've actually... <laughs> they call the cops. <laughs> um,
2: no, I mean, I think most courses will look the other way. Oh, okay. Um, they're not going to care. They're they they they're happy that you're... As long as you're respecting the course, you know? Okay. Um, But you get... That's kind of... Like, that's the thing with golf is, like, I love the sport. I love... So much about it and I hate so many other things about it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like stuff like that and like how it's pretty much like 98% of, of the club is just a bunch of old white dudes, you know?
0: Yeah. Um I hate all that stuff. Yeah. But, I spent a half a day, almost oh, a you're, full you're, day, actually. Your Lawrence Taylor story, right? Yes, exactly. And <laughs> that was a alarming and eye-opening experience for me in a lot of ways. Really, it was. It was painful in a lot of ways, fun in some as well. But it was one of those ones where I like, after like a couple weeks of feeling really strange about myself, I sat back and went like, man, I'm fucking glad I made the decisions I made, you know, like, and I like, I'm like more happy about the course I took, you know, I am. What'd you do? What do you mean? What did I do?
2: Did you take it? You said you took a. I uh, I thought you meant like you said something to these people at the course. No, or no,
0: no, 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 no. I ate a lot of shit that day in my estimation. And if I told the story to other people, I'd be like, oh, shit, you're what are you talking about? Like, stop it. But in my estimation, it was like some real big deal and like a pride swallowing siege in a lot of ways. And I took it that way and I took it very deeply, but I came out of it on the other side like Really happy that I'm the kind of person I am, honestly. Well, Not I'm happy. To say with- I won't go play golf. It looks fun. I was he, he, very impressed. I love trees these days. You know that. There were some very, very beautiful trees on that course.
2: That's probably half the reason why I, I like doing it, just because I'm outdoors walking around. Like I, I always walk when I play, so I get the exercise. See, you know, Rob, this just kind of zends
0: me out. How are we going to connect these worlds? This is exactly what I'm talking about. I want to do that too. Like, I want to drive a golf cart. Looks fun. Mm-hmm. I want to sit outside on beautiful days with my friends, like drinking beer and smoking joints and stuff. Yeah. Sounds great. Like, I want to do all that stuff. How can I do that without ever succumbing to golf culture in any way? That's you what just, I'm looking for here. I need to you find gotta, a middle. Should I open my own course? There's there's already a course for you. You know, there's just
2: the public? You gotta. It's definitely gonna be a public course. You're not uh-huh. gonna find that in a private course. Probably not. Although yeah. there might be a few. And you just you know what you do, you go on the on the websites, you know, uh-huh. and you find the cheapest golf course there <laughs> is.
0: Okay. And that's the one <laughs> and, where I'll be judged But I got. Do they have the worst trees? I bet the rich guy ones have the nicest well, trees.
2: You start with that one, and you kind of keep going up the price point so you get. You'll get to a point where you're like, this is a great course. See, I just saw a guy. I saw a guy wearing blue jeans. Rob, this <laughs> doesn't just... make
0: sense. You know why? Because <laughs> you, you're going into it like the same way like a a 22 year old English teacher goes into it, right? They're like, they're like, I'm so pure, I'll never be corrupted. You know, like I'm gonna work through this thing, and by the time I have like tenure and I'm at the top of the department, I'll really make changes. And then they're like 50 years old and just fucking hate kids, and they they went through the system too long. And they lost sight of the original goal. If, you, if I take the course you're saying, in 20 years, I'm going to be in salmon fucking shorts <laughs> and paying some people who hate Jews too much money to go to their <laughs> private course. I know it's going to happen.
2: And to clean your shoes. Or to clean my shoes. Hey, Benny, there's, an-
1: <laughs> there's another option. Oh, give me, give me, give me, give me. Just go play golf in Australia. Oh, ah, what happens there? Well, I, the only time I've ever played golf in Australia was uh, the morning. I think it was the morning of a wedding that I was there for. We showed up at eight thirty with a bunch of friggin' tall Australians, and everybody was wearing like cut off shorts and jeans oh,
0: and holding love it.
1: big cans of beer and uh, awesome. Yeah, there was no
0: judgment. Those fucking criminals aren't wearing pastels. <laughs> <laughs> Right. There's a course. There's a course up here. You can you come
2: with me. It's laid back. You can wear cutoff jeans if you want.
0: It's It's gonna be hard for me to break the seal at this point, Rob. Did you just hear the last ten minutes? All right, we gotta get out of here. This is funny. Yeah. This is a funny way to end. Awesome. And we're back. And we're back. Oh man, what did you think? about my pitch for golf. (laughs) Did you like it?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, it's funny all these old rock guys that get into golf after a certain (laughs) point. But it's, I mean, it's a great, I've only done it a few times, never enough to, like, get the bug, but I totally
0: can see why you would want to do it, you know? Um, I think, like me, though, would you have problems with some of the conventions, I mean, to punk rock. Is the convention, are the conventions still really that big of a
1: deal? I mean, he's right that the public courses, you don't have to worry about that shit. But yeah, I'm sure that the public courses are not as amazing. But I bet <laughs> right. there's like states where the public courses
0: are really good, you know? Like, mm. see, I think this is exactly why I hate golf. Cause there's just like all these like <laughs> Rich social delineations like built yeah. into this sport yeah. in so many yeah. different ways, and you have to like really angle with yourself. <laughs> it's a, I <laughs> if, mean, if you're a certain type of person, to it's like a lot of land be,
1: requires a lot of maintenance. So I guess it's probably expensive, especially if it's you know not in Montana somewhere. Right.
0: I was just thinking about I was listening to a podcast called The Icons Club. Jackie McMullen doing a podcast about like basketball greats and this very elite group of basketball greats. And, you know, a lot of them talk to each other through the years and sort of pass knowledge from generation to generation. And famously like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan were like super tight. And apparently LeBron James and Michael Jordan don't speak. They're Uh not like acrimonious. They don't have like problems but they've never like connected with each other and they've never like, and this is like 20 years of Michael Jordan being an owner in the league and LeBron James being arguably the best player in the league. So I can't imagine how many chances they had to interact on a deeper level, but they, for some reason, made a decision not to. And I broke it down to the fact that Michael Jordan's the type of guy who loves to play golf LeBron James is the type of guy who probably wouldn't be caught dead playing golf. (laughs) Like, I do think there, there's certain people, right. Michael, you know, Michael Jordan's from the South, went to like UNC, came up in like the eighties, probably golfed with like agents and this and this, like, yeah, like a different thing. And like golf is okay. Same with Kobe. LeBron was like kind of hard. He had this like rough upbringing, you know, inner city. And, and he kind of still carries that with him. Like, that's the way, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, famously in the 80s or 90s was like, hey, Republicans buy shoes, too. And that's the reason he wasn't political at all. Right. You know, right. not until like the last five, 10 years. And LeBron James has never had a, an issue taking a social stance at all. So I kind of made that delineation. I think there is like there is like a weird cultural divide of people who will and won't play (laughs) golf, right? Yeah.
1: It takes a lot to get started with it. So you need a mentor, I think. And if that doesn't
0: happen, Mm. it's not going to happen. Listen, that's what I was saying in the end here. If you find a way, like, you you know, you get me on one of those cool little cars, (laughs) cold drinks, a little smoke, beautiful day, my friends. I mean, literally, it's that
1: that sounds great. Dude, it's got to be, I mean... As you know, I'm not really a pot smoker, but I can't imagine that it's not the best sport to smoke weed on.
0: Oh, come on. Like it takes like 45 minutes to, to get to the ball every time. <laughs> <laughs> you need it, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I always I get scared that like that scene in swingers would come up when they're like they're like, wait, what'd you get? An eight, a nine? And then there's like the people behind you yelling <laughs> like pace of play, pace of play. I'm like, shut up, bro. take in the sun yeah Yeah, different style so that's what i want brad i need to find a way to have an actual excuse to just because that's essentially what you're doing sports don't mean anything they're made up games you know Mm -hmm. so like if i can find some way to angle myself on a sunday to be able to do that i'm probably gonna do it i just need to find the non-golf way somehow
1: I you gotta help me out, it.
0: Brad. Go for it. I think you I think I need suggestions. I need to, oh, uh, should I just like, life is short? Don't suffer. Just go play golf. Yeah. Is that what you're, there's that's gotta your be
1: somebody. I mean, well, there you go. You've got Rob.
0: Go play golf with Rob. It's true. It's true. But now, after all my shit talking, <laughs> I think I'd have to go like, not jeans. Now I would go like, Wear like the Dumb and Dumber tuxedo. Oh, you just, dude, like, just
1: show up in like the most like hoity-toity, waspy, fucking yeah. golf uh-huh. outfit.
0: Literally, like <laughs> carrying a bottle of Grey Poupon. You gotta, you got and just gotta. offering everyone on the course, like, excuse me, <laughs> would you care for some Grey Poupon? <laughs> That'd be funny. Well, <laughs> anyway, check out uh, if you're in the area or even uh, need to take a trip. Audio Pilot Studios is. Fantastic. I recommend it. And you should go record your record there. Um, you should listen to Hidden in Plain View and go check out their new stuff. And uh, you should visit us on our various P- <laughs> enter entrepreneurial social media sites and our Patreon where we accept money behind a paywall. And then we do stuff for that money. Brad usually gets naked on live webcams. Always, every week. If anyone's interested, and
1: if you're not into the uh, new commercials that you're hearing on our new ads, then you won't get them on Patreon. So
0: that's true. We have oh, this is a big sell. We should talk about the commercial. It also has the so the cool thing is you'll get a
1: feed that has not only um, the full podcast with no ads, but It also, the feed will have, if you scroll down it, you'll have like bonus content, like bonus podcasts that were not released to the public.
0: So there's a lot there. Come on. And in the spirit of good times and the uh, weather getting warm and a little sultry, you know, keep those uh, reviews if you're going to write one, keep it sexy, keep it loose, and do something that's going to make Brad's... (laughs) pale white face blush pink please (laughs) we'll see you next week bye